Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. As you guys know, I've been working on Jeremy Kaufman's campaign since I moved back to New Hampshire. He's coming on the show again today, but before he comes on, I just want to play his latest ad. I think it's the best one so far. Uh, this one, you know, all the other ones have been kind of funny, but this one is pretty serious and just kind of skips all the bullshit and gets right to it. So I'm just going to play that real quick and then we'll bring him on. Months ago, I put out a satirical ad saying that war is gay. I'm here to tell you the truth. War is retarded. It's retarded. We're not supposed to say that word, but this is exactly why we need to say it. Because if you support war, you are a retard. We have done this before. This isn't new. Weak, soft, anti-American terrorist sympathizer. These are some of the things that you would have been called for opposing the Iraq war in 2003 or Vietnam in the 1960s. And today, you'll be called similar things for opposing America's involvement in the Ukraine and Russian conflict. Well, you're not. What you actually are is brave. Being anti-war is always unpopular, but it takes people who are willing to stand up and say, no, this isn't our fight. No, we don't need to be involved. And the people who are weak and soft are the people who want to steal from you to get us involved in a conflict we have no business in. The war on poverty was won by poverty. The war on drugs was won by drugs. The war in Afghanistan was won by goat herders with an average income of $500 per year. Don Baldock and Maggie Hassan want us to fight China and Russia simultaneously. What boggles my mind, Steve, is the fact that we haven't gone all in on this already. Diplomatically, informationally, militarily, uh, and economically. Everything's on the table when it comes to keeping our country safe. Uh, and what we've seen from Russia in particular recently... And we can't take any pressure off China either. we got to go after China because they're in this right. with them. Maggie Hassan and Don Balda want to take your money so that your children can die and America can be hurt. This November, be brave, be anti-war, be a libertarian. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, and I'm serious. There you go. And we got the serious man himself back on the show today. Jeremy Kaufman, how you doing, man? That's right. Thank you for having me. And for those who don't know, Reed is a producer on that ad. So Reed was in the room, <laughs> helping every every step of the way. He even brought uh, some Nazi uniforms that we didn't get to, you know, put to use. So he was, <laughs> but he was very prepared. So uh, you know, definitely gets the producer credit. <laughs> I've uh, I've had a lot of fun making those ads with you. Um, I mean, there. I feel like we sort of have an idea of what we're going to do when we go in, but every ad that I've helped with, we just have a kind of rough idea. And then you just kind of sit in front of the camera and spitball your way through it. And then we end up with some amazing art like that. It's a, uh, it's, it's a very, it's a very fun experience. I've loved all of them. Yeah. It's, yeah, you've, you've produced uh, at least three uh, of them now. Yeah. So I, and I think uh, we, we've been talking, we're going to uh, probably keep this going. Uh, and so not just me, we're going to, you know, we'll mix it up, but uh, we like the idea of keeping this going, I think. Um, so something we, cause it's been working, right. We've been getting good, good traction on these videos, good organic uh, traction. Yeah. So what gives that ad so much extra power 
if you've been around a while and you've been watching Jeremy Kaufman's campaign since the beginning, all of the other ads are funny. And then this one wasn't. So it was kind of like it, it gave it that much more oomph to it. And everyone, I think, was anticipating another funny ad. And then they watched it and they were like, holy shit. Um, but your strategy throughout this whole campaign has been to get a lot of traction through being provocative or being funny or being a little bit satirical sometimes. And these ads have gotten hundreds of thousands of views altogether. Um, do you know, is that, have you seen like statistics for other political ads, like how these stack up? It seems like, uh, compared to any other normal libertarian party ads that are put out, these get way more virality to them. Definitely true for libertarian party ads. I, I suspect, but can't speak authoritatively off the top of my head that this is true for just most, uh, political ads, uh, certainly at least on the YouTube, uh, on YouTube or places like that, where you're just talking about the you know, organic traffic as opposed to paid traffic, right? So we didn't pay for any of the views. Uh, we're in the millions, um, across, um, across the ads, I, I, I believe. Um, and, uh, so uh, yeah, I got to think that that is a very, a, a very high level of performance. Oddly, the press hasn't talked about uh, these uh, these are uh, these organic successes. You know why the the political press uh, hasn't talked about these. Uh, you know at all, despite them, um, you know, getting mentioned by major influencers and and you know uh, uh, some some pretty big uh, attention. Yeah, yeah, you've been uh, really like <laughs> black holed by the media. I mean, you're you got uh, one interview. I forget was it with WMUR like a couple months ago where it was just the written responses to all the questions, and then you just got an interview with NHPR. And aside from that, you haven't gotten much mainstream press at all. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating. I did actually get a call from the union leader uh, today uh, that uh, they may be writing a story about me being locked out of of Twitter uh, currently. Ah. So but that's, you know, that's what they'll cover. They'll cover if it's uh, drama, they'll cover if they if they have, uh, you know, an angle to talk about libertarians being um, you know crazy uh, or whatever. Look at the press that uh, look at look at how um, uh, when they were willing to talk about LPNH, right? Like basically, did uh, there's ne never going to be any engagement uh, unless there's some ability, uh, you know, for them to portray you as as crazy, uh, you know, or extreme. At least that's sort of it appears. That's the only times uh, they've been willing, uh, you know, to talk about us. So yeah, actually, I have a clip from an interview I did with you four months ago at Porkfest, and at the time I didn't realize how prophetic what you were saying was, but. Let's just watch it. It's a couple minutes long. And uh, I think everything that you said ended up being kind of true. Think about uh, Vermin Supreme and like how he did his campaigns. Like how are what have you taken away from that? Or have you has that been any inspiration for any of this or just thoughts on that? Yeah. So uh, there's things that I like and don't like about Vermin. I think Vermin is very entertaining. My biggest problem with Vermin is like I'm not I think he may actually just be a communist mm -hmm. and and I, hopefully he's not. I'm not certain. Vermin, feel free. I'm happy to have a, you know, we can have a conversation about it. But like, you know, he seems at least if it's not him, it's the people he's attracting that, you know, to me would not actually share my principles. So that's actually what I dislike. The, 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 and I, the, the idea of some of the stuff that he does, like, yes, some of the stuff that he does that's satirical, I think is very good. Um, what I'm trying to do that's a little bit different is like, I, I'm trying to have, I, like, substance behind it like if we want to talk economics if we want to talk about why libertarian ideas are better if we want to talk about policy or these kinds of things like i'm not i'm not just going to do uh comedy 
um, and but I think that if you're just doing the serious stuff, no one knows and no one cares. The amount of people who are you know making choices based off of even a serious consideration of the actual policies involved is under 10%. It's probably like 5%. It's like no one, okay? So like if you want to have a hope of like building a base of people, like it's got to be some way of engaging with them that's not check out how much you know like check out these very like logical arguments as to why these ideas are are correct 95 percent of people are some large amount of people they're not gonna be able to follow them whereas like they can follow a joke they can they, they can feel like that's something that they you know there's some affinity towards or and it's not just it's not just about humor I, you know i'd like to be doing other traditional you know traditional campaign stuff you know we're doing meet and greets and and other things like this to you know to get out there and, and to meet people so what you said there about the percentage of people who end up listening to you or believing what you say because of logical arguments is such a tiny, tiny percentage. And with the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire, um, we made a lot of provocative tweets over the last several months. And now we have, uh, you know, we have news organizations from around the world sending us messages, asking us what our opinion is on the war in Ukraine, you know, asking us, uh, you know, what we think about establishment political figures because we said some kind of stupid crazy shit and now they're suddenly paying attention to us and it almost feels like now every time something happens a lot of these news publications and newspapers and media organizations they're watching the libertarian party in new hampshire to see what we're going to say and now we're the largest affiliate on twitter by a pretty large margin so um, that strategy seems to have worked. I just hope we can somehow uh, turn the attention into support. That's the hard part right there, it seems to be. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's something that is is going to take time, you know, regardless. We're building this brand, uh, you know, building this brand up over time. Uh, and I think everything you said is correct about we bit that in terms of the ways that we've established ourselves uh, already. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's been... I, I guess I don't know how much we succeeded at that at that other side of it. Um, we succeeded at at uh, a very important side of it of like pushing, um, you know, pushing a narrative, creating a space for this set of beliefs, right? Where I think like the LP kind of failed in that during COVID, and here on this war issue, I think we did a very good job with that, creating even if we were stupid about it at times. Like that's okay. Like I would have rather, at least for me, I would have rather had the LP have been like over the line and, and said some stupid things about lockdowns, like. You know, maybe a lot of people think comparing it to Nazi stuff was dumb, but I would have rather had them do that and be over the line and how against it they were, you know, than to do, you know, kind of like nothing. Right. And so this is one where we did. I do think we did a good job creating that kind of space for the um, you know, space for the opinion because we were so vociferously, you know, kind of against it um, in terms of in state. You know, I think like. There, there were some. It definitely brought some people in in state because we had these. We had a variety of national libertarian, uh, national anti-war types, um, uh, national, uh, uh, some national conservatives. You know, kind of sharing, um, sharing some of the media. So it definitely helped. I think we have more to do more with the billboard type stuff. Um, doing more in state, uh, where let you know, let's get the local press to be talking about us. Let's get the local Facebook groups to be. Uh, talking about it's not in a and hopefully in at least a mixed way uh you know get them to and and do the, the same kind of stuff that we've been doing on social media use some of that um 
to to get attention inside of the state is something that I think we should be thinking about as the party moves forward, you know, after the election, well, through the election, but afterwards as well. Sure. Yeah. It, it's always been amazing to me how averse to negative press libertarians are. And I understand that some press is just negative. I, I wouldn't deny that. But for the most part, any press you're going to get if you're pushing back against the establishment narrative on anything is going to be negative. I mean, they'll call you some derogatory term, you know, conspiracy theorist, white supremacist, whatever. Um, and I, I feel like Donald Trump really showed us that the only way you garner press attention when they hate you is by being a provocateur and, you know, kind of sabotaging their narrative and just throwing bombs and saying outrageous stuff, they'll talk about you nonstop because if you're seeking, um, if you're seeking to undermine the machine and have the machine report on your undermining of them in a positive light, it's just never going to happen. So I'm not saying like always say the craziest shit ever. And I do think you can have press that is just a net negative, but for the most part, I think if you're doing a good job, they're going to write about you negatively in general. Yeah. Uh, yes. At least most of the sort of establishment, uh, establishment press. Or you're playing, you can, so another way you can get them, uh, this is just a, I'm not, no disagreement by this, but uh, you can get it if you're playing that a role. So if they have a story they want to tell, so if they want to tell a story of, you know, uh, the Republicans subverting the rule of law, and you can be a, a, a libertarian, uh, you know, lawyer who solidifies that, you know, that then they might be willing to use you in, in that kind of way. But if you're talking about, if you want to be getting your ideas through in a way that they would disagree with, uh, they're not going to do that without there being um, some critical, um, uh, at least uh, some, some some critical aspect to it. Or even they'll always do the um, the sort of, um, what's it called? Like the Russell conjugation, the emotive conjugation, like uh, like uh, I am I am firm, uh, like they are stubborn, you are obstinate or whatever, where it's like, it's the same, it's, if, if it's the libertarian, they use the negative emotive words. If it's their side, they use the, the positively emotive words that both mean the same thing, you know, resolute versus firm versus obstinate versus stubborn, you know, but they, they'll always pick the word uh, uh, that, uh, you know, matches, you know, sort of their, their agenda. Uh, uh, the New Yorker article about Carla, uh, a, a, very, a very, very recent one came out on uh, the New Yorker, Carla Garrick, the um, president of the Free State Project, uh, got a big mention in it. Uh, and they make sure to sort of point, you know, um, they call her anti-vax. You know, they've got to work that. They've got to make sure they give the code words, you know, sort of for their audience to tell you exactly what to, you know, what to think. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, a lot of these insults have just lost any potency they had. And now... They've almost become uh, they've, they've almost become compliments. I mean, you and I have both been written up by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And I know people who are jealous of us for, you know, getting a hit piece written about us. Because these days, if you aren't called any of these derogatory terms, it's obvious that you're not actually doing anything to piss people off in the first place. Um, so I don't think anyone who watches my show is contemplating voting for Maggie Hassan. Um, you know, she's, I mean, I don't really think she's any sort of unique evil necessarily, but she's just such an establishment Democrat, typical dumb fall in line left winger. I mean, you know, she voted for the $40 billion to Ukraine. 
Um, and actually, some of the things that are like explicitly bad about her are things where she actually didn't vote with the Democrat Party. Like I remember, I think it was in 2019 or 2020, I forget which year, she voted with the Republicans um, to not overturn the Patriot Act. She and Gene Shaheen were two Democrats who crossed the aisle and voted with most of the Republicans against the position we would want. So I wouldn't say they're necessarily crazy communist lefties. They're, she's just a horrible establishment Democrat. But aside from that vote, for the most part, we can always expect what she's going to do. Um, Don Baldick actually scares me more than her. I think overall, I tend to agree with him more on, you know, at least most of the domestic issues, but he's just, he's a firecracker. You never know like what he's going to say. Justin O'Donnell put it pretty well. He said, I know, uh, how did he say it? it was like, he, I know what Maggie Hassan's price is. I know who can buy her Don Baldick. I have no idea like what his floor is. It seems like it's pretty low. Like he'd be willing <laughs> to do anything for anybody. Some of the stuff he said about foreign policy. And then he also like, you never know. You, you can't ever pin him down on anything. Like you ask him a question about something in front of one audience, he'll give one answer and then he'll give a completely different answer uh, to another audience. But uh, I, I just wanted your reflection on that. Do you agree with that sentiment mostly or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's entirely uh, true in terms of, um, you know, Baldick. Certainly uh, it's unclear. I, like, I think he, he would be a loose cannon. Uh, I think he would be very bad uh, on foreign policy, uh, you know, and military related uh, you know, issues in general. Uh, you know, I think he is someone um, who is appears to be honestly just like sort of somewhat gullible in terms of some of the stories uh, and narratives that he's himself, uh, you know, fallen for and repeated. And and um, Hassan's exactly what uh, you described, you know, just the complete, uh, you know, democratic suit. Uh, when she, if she's going to break with her team, it is generally for the authoritarian positions, uh, you know, of the other side. So, so the when she can be, uh, you know, bipartisan, it's it's to, uh, you know, it's to do something that libertarians would generally be against. So, yeah. yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's a good option. And you know, actually, well, you might not even know this. I don't know because you weren't at the very beginning of the campaign. I don't think you were involved. Uh, but it was one of my requirements. Like, I don't like I didn't want to run against uh, Bruce Fenton. Bruce Fenton wasn't in the race. But when I when they asked me to run, I I wrote up just a page of my thoughts. And one of my biggest objections was like there. Are, I because I think there are good liberty Republicans, you know, here. I think we have ANCAPs getting elected to the state house, like literally ANCAPs uh, in office right now running under the Republican label. And like, I don't I don't want to be messing up. You know, I don't want to be messing their progress up, you know. Yeah, so, no, I mean, uh, but I, here, here, he's not one of them. He is not. He's not right. one of them. He's not part of that. Don Baldick is not a secret libertarian. Uh, quite <laughs> frankly, the libertarians don't usually keep it a secret. Uh, so he's pretty clearly uh, and he's pretty clearly not on the, you know, on the libertarian um, side of things. I do. I hesitate to ever say anything positive about um, uh, uh, about my opponent. And so this is this one I would say is a mixed bag. But I do think he is more likely to create attention for New Hampshire. So I will say this, if Don, because he'll do, he's like kind of crazy guy, right? So like, yeah, the fact that he might do or say crazy things in office is likely to continue. Um, and so as someone who likes New Hampshire being in the news, uh, I'm not saying it's like good or whatever. Well, no, it is kind of would be good. If he's getting us in the news, it kind of would be good for like bad reasons. But in the sort of uh, in terms of what is it good for new attention for New Hampshire? Yeah, like, so that's the one thing I would give him is that he might do crazy stuff that would get New Hampshire in the news. 
Yeah, for sure. And was so, that too much of an endorsement? I don't mean to be too kind to my um <laughs> No, I think uh yeah, saying that, you know, if AOC were our uh senator, we'd also get in the news a lot. So yeah. I mean that's it's not a false statement. Um let's one of the well, good. Go ahead. I wanted to talk about some of this um protest because this was new for me. It was new for yeah. you too. And I gotta tell you, tell uh your audience, Reed. Reed, it turns out, is a protest junkie. Okay, he, <laughs> he is into it. He liked it. He liked it. So I, I, I Reed's audience encourage more read on read on the street uh, type performances. Because um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, but this is what we just went and did last week. So we went out to the to the debate. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you were excluded from the debate because they put polling requirements on your uh, admittance and. As far as I know, every libertarian around the country who was in the debates, Shane Hazel, uh, Chase Oliver, all those guys. And then there was one in uh, Arkansas, I think, who was uh, for Congress. None of them had any polling requirements that they had to clear. It was just like the donations and making it on the ballot and the other stuff that we also had to qualify for. Um, but you were excluded. So we decided, OK. Uh, why don't we go there and just have a show of protest? And so we showed up and there were, I would say, around 50 Maggie Hassan supporters with these big like four by eight, you know, Maggie Hassan signs. And the only words they could say were Maggie Hassan. That was it, you know, and, and it was just going on for uh, like half an hour or whatever. So. There were only two Don Baldick supporters there, and they were sort of nice, so we didn't really feel the need to harass them so much. But after you got kicked off of the entrance because you were standing up on a bench right near the entrance with a microphone kind of making your presence known, you got kicked off, so we had to go to the public sidewalk. We decided to really get into it with the Maggie Hassett supporters, um, and it was a lot of fun. But wh why don't you tell everyone what happened? It wasn't a very organic uh, show of support for Maggie, was it? Yeah, well, that's true. They were um, uh, almost certainly paid uh, to be there directly or indirectly, like, you know, part of NGOs because it was not, we saw a truck come up, all the signs went back in the truck as soon as the photos were taken. So uh, it was not, um, it was not just people, uh, you know, showing up out of the goodness of their hearts. There was, um, uh, there was something going on there um, because there was all, they all like got, they all left at exactly the same time and put all, all their signs back in one vehicle. Um, so, um, but uh it was, I, this was new to me. I'm not like, I've done like some protests. I did some protests during, um, uh, during the reopen stuff and I've gone to some other, you know, sign waves and things, but, um, never one really never one that had gotten, that was like, that got confrontational in any way. There's a little bit of confrontation at reopen, but not too much. And, um, and so, you know, but all they would do is chant. So we were trying to figure out, you know, some way of, of engaging with them. Um, which was very difficult. And there really wasn't, we, we offered one, one of the most uh, you sort of telling things is like, we were saying, Hey, take the mic. We'll like, we'll step away from you. You can have the mic speak positively about your candidate. Tell us what you'll know, tell us why the libertarian should vote for you. We want to hear your side. And there's just no ability to, there's no ability to articulate it, right? There's no ability to have a conversation. And it definitely does make me think about like, where, you know, where do you go? as a society, you know, from there, right? If this is my neighbor, you know, and we, there's no ability to even have that kind of, you know, back and forth. It does seem like that person is kind of saying like, no, I want this to be, uh, 
you know, a, a, a struggle, right? I want there to be some sort of violent conflict between us because when you're saying that we can't speak, that's like sort of, and I'm not, I'm not encouraging that, but like, that's what, what, where are we going from here? Because you're going, you're, I'm telling you, right? Like our view sort of as libertarians is that you are enacting violence against us. And the mirror is like, oh, I don't want to talk to you about it. I'm just going to keep doing it. You know, so uh, like, what you know? What are we? What are we supposed to do about it? Um, and of course, we are trying to build our movement and get more and more people here. And we're trying to win, uh, you know, uh, through through democracy and through the ballot box and and all of these things. But it definitely does get me up because it's like, you know, you you can't. You're here. Uh, you're trying to do things that that are, are you know, in my view, like in our view, I would say, hurting us. That are violence against us, and you can't even talk to us about what you're doing. So it's uh, it's it's disturbing. Yeah, I mean, I am not am no lover of democracy in the way that I don't think it's a, you know, a pure form of government or, you know, the ultimate thing we should aspire toward. But given the system that we do have, which is a quasi democratic system where the government that wins does have authority to take your property and do whatever they want, basically, given that system, when they're excluding people from being on the ballot or from, you know, getting into the debates, or getting any press, that is not a good thing. So, you know, a lot of libertarians constantly shit on democracy and their criticisms of democracy are correct. But this is kind of that stop living in and capistan in your head thing. I mean, this is the system we have. And so when your voice isn't allowed on the debate stage, um, we're, we're just kind of encouraging this, this retarded back and forth dogmatic monkey spurging that you're talking about that we saw from the Maggie Hassan people um, and the Baldock pushback isn't really that much different either. So um, all that to say, like, it, it's just, it does make a difference if we're allowed into these conversations and people can hear a different perspective, I would think. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it is, I mean, we can, um, you know, take it as an opportunity for ourselves. It is another opportunity to uh, uh, create, you know, media to get attention um, we did do a little bit, I think, with this one, but this is something that you know we'll we'll continue to figure out um, uh, how to how to do. You know, I think. By the way, as an aside, uh, we should get into the the sort of um, whatever they're called, like the town meeting game. You know, do speeches at these town sessions uh, and take the videos and you know and share the videos to our you know to our channels and our groups and like because it's another way you can kind of like get your get your signal. Uh, through to some people, as well as build, uh, you know, a kind of movement on top of the fact that that you're doing. And I know other people are doing this. I'm not trying to that's some new idea, but it's a it's a, it's an idea that I like. And we haven't really gotten into that one yet around here. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of like just drawing more attention to things, um, Rand Paul and Tulsi Gabbard, who are both known as anti-war voices, they've both endorsed Don Baldick, which kind of shocked a lot of people. I'd say the Tulsi endorsement was a little more surprising, but the Rand Paul one was like, I don't know. This is kind of his MO with the, Repu you know, the Republicans yeah. got to hold the power. So I have more influence is kind of what he'll always say. Um, and as cool as it would have been, if both of them endorsed you, that that wasn't going to happen. So I feel like them endorsing this awful candidate at least draws more attention to this race and then maybe gives you more leverage because um, I mean, the amount of vitriol we're getting from the Republicans right now for possibly spoiling the vote, you know, a lot of libertarians push back against that and say, don't blame me. 
And I say, no, 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 blame, blame me. Sure, <laughs> please, please blame us. Please say it's our fault that you lost. But after you do that, like do a little self-reflection and wonder why we would cause you to lose. And I, I actually tend to think Baldick is going to win at this point. But uh, if he does lose barely to Maggie Hassan and then you get 4% or whatever uh, that covers the spread, I feel like that is an exercise of our true power. And it's not that we want Maggie Hassan to win. Uh, it's just that, look, you have not done your job to get our support. You don't own libertarians just because you're slightly better than the Democrat. If you guys had elected Bruce Fenton, all of us would vote for you. You know, all of us would have been, I, I would have, like I would have started campaigning for him if he had won the primary. Um, but don't you think that's kind of what our goal should be as libertarians if we're going to do the election game, unless it gets to a point where he can win. It seems like leveraging the vote and playing that spoiler role is exercising the only political power that we really have. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, we should absolutely own it. We should be uh, proud of it. And we should say, and, and well, and especially here where like, so inside, there's a, the way I see it, uh, this, I don't know if this is too inside baseball, New Hampshire politics, or maybe your audience will like this, but like, there's basically three camps inside of the Republican party that are of approximately similar size. And it's the Liberty wing, the MAGA wing, and the sort of like old school establishment wing not the neocani wing they're not like neocani but they're like you know they're they're um i don't know like mitt, mitt romney would you call mitt romney a neocon like yeah you would okay yeah so they're like romney-esque i mean they're like they're not war hawks but they're like you know they're that kind of republican right they're even a little socially progressive but they're like that kind of uh, new england republican so you got that camp the MAGA camp and the, the the liberty uh camp and they're all like probably approximately the same size uh, like mm -hmm. you could even add up the primaries in the Republic. Like you look at the congressional primaries, we had three candidates, one in each lane that all got around 30 in, in CD2. And if you add up, like, I mean, I do think some of the Liberty wing went with Balduck because they thought Fenton couldn't win and found Balduck preferable to Mort Morse would have been the establishment uh, one. And Balduck's the MAGA one that I think like pulled some of the Liberty wing because they like Balduck more than Morse and didn't see right. Fenton or the other Liberty one would have been, um, uh, Vikram probably. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, although he straddles into the old school Republican, I think. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's like, that's kind of what it is. And so there's this inside of the Republican party of New Hampshire, there's this sort of, and so we want the libertarian party, I think of New Hampshire should kind of be like, well, we don't want to challenge if you're running the Liberty Republicans, the ones that are libertarians, um, you know, we don't want, we don't want to really be fighting with those. If you're going to run MAGA people and you're going to run, uh, you know, people who love the welfare state but have an R next to their name, then, you know, we don't care. We don't care if you lose, you know. Um, and so that, that that's kind of where I think we should, you know, we should be. Yeah. So uh, do you know this guy? I don't really know who this is. He It says the system is down. Say my name. I know he had like some capacity of uh, some capacity very little capacity actually he has mental limited mental capacity i think he has down syndrome that's the down yeah uh yeah i think this uh, i believe this is a child with down syndrome I mean, uh, uh, so yeah a child with down syndrome named dan smots uh helps make some uh helps make videos uh yeah. for my campaign they're not bad they're okay they're all right I mean, yeah they're not too bad. <laughs> so um <clears throat> i actually sometimes i feel like the the maga 
candidate can be more dangerous than the establishment candidate because there's a sort of a veneer of perceived rebellion that doesn't really exist. So if Morse were the candidate, you don't have that, you know, that that fake appearance of, oh, this guy's really going to take it to Washington and, you know, stick it to him. No one thinks that. And then the same is true with Maggie Hassan. No one thinks she's going to stick it to him. Where if you have Don Baldock, that is the perception, but it's rarely the reality. It's kind of like with Trump. Like Trump yep. certainly had that veneer of sticking it to Washington and having an independent streak, but it was very rare that his actions actually followed any of his rhetoric. Like nine times out of ten, he would cave to whatever they wanted. So do you, do you think there's some truth to that? And that uh, in some ways, Baldock could actually be sedating the anti-war or anti-establishment anti-police state because they'll think oh yeah this guy's on my side but then when he gets in there you know he's shown that he doesn't have any backbone he won't stand up for you not being in the debates he won't um, answer a question from me you know they kick me out of a political rally because they're afraid of the question i'm going to ask and then tell him tell me that they'll get him on my show they don't do that then they said okay email us a question. I email them the question. They don't give me a response. And then, you know, the election stuff, he ran his entire campaign or his, his entire primary campaign saying the 2020 election was stolen. Then as soon as he wins, he flip flops and says, actually, no, it was legitimate. So there's obviously no reason to think this guy will actually do anything to counter his masters, but there's going to be this perception that he will. And I feel like that is almost more dangerous than the other options. Yeah, very much. I think it's very similar to a Trump where there might be some rhetoric that can occasionally sound good. Like I do believe Baldick has suggested that we should abolish the FBI, but the like literally zero chance. And like most likely what would actually happen is when the bill comes up to give the FBI more money, he would just vote for it. Right. And how they're able to maintain uh, like like, you know, how uh, Trump uh, today can have anyone, uh, you know, uh, believing that, uh, you know, that stuff about him when, you know, he was uh, just as responsible for the inflation as Biden and was you know, bad on you know, was bad on COVID for most of COVID and all of these things. It's, you know, it's just crazy uh, that that, rep, you know, that, that reputation, um, you know, can even be there. So um, I do think, you know, there are some of those people like, you know, once uh, there you know, sort of MAGA type Republicans who want some, uh, you know, who have sort of been told lies uh, about the government and, and how it works, sort of the nature of state power. Like if you can get them to understand some of that stuff, which I think current events have done, you know, more than ever before. I do think it's an audience that can be brought, you know, into the into the libertarian wing. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that. And it, <clears throat> what I don't understand is a lot of people don't want you to step on those people's toes and don't want you to try to correct them. They're like, hey, 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 easy, 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 where I think, no, this is like the prime opportunity for those people to see the truth of the situation. And I've had a lot of success with telling them like, hey, look, this guy sold you out or hey, look, you know, the Republicans created the Department of Homeland Security. And for the most part, they're really perceptive to it when you start telling them the truth about what's actually going on. Um, and there's this idea that we really need to coddle them and just treat them like they're, you know, treat them like they're snowflakes. And my thought is, man, they have just been betrayed so hard and everything that they loved has been like ripped away from them over the last couple of years. The last thing you have to do is coddle them. The first thing is like, hey, 
uh, now that you're here, like <laughs> check out what's actually going on. Do you agree with that? Or what do you think? Uh, my thought is that it's probably both. Like you probably want to be, you want to be having some messages that are, um, that are like that. And then some messages that are, so are more coddling. It's a little bit of push and a little bit of, of pull and you want to have, and, but you want to have both. You definitely, I would agree completely that you should not just be like coddling them. You need to get them to see, uh, to recognize some, some of those truths. You do need uh, some of the messages uh, to be in that line. And it's also very important. One of the worst things, and we should actually consider them. You know, one of the, one of the ways um, I think the libertarian party actually suffered some problems. It, it, it did, by being very anti-war in the early 2000s, it got anti-war leftists who weren't actually libertarians, um, you know, into the into the party, and some of those people ended up causing trouble down the road because they didn't understand what libertarianism, you know, was. Right. I think it's the same kind of thing here, where like we want to be welcoming these people in, and what, but one of the things that those punches in the face, uh, you know, or those harsh those sort of messages do is like they also need to make sure that they're like accepting and understanding some aspects of of what libertarianism. Uh, it's what libertarianism means, because if you're getting people into your party uh, under a sort of false pretense, like and they eventually recognize that, yeah, there's some chance they'll leave the party. There's another chance they'll just try to change the party to match what they thought you said, it, what they thought it was. Right. And just change the meaning of the word. And so, you know, uh, you that I think that's a reason that that some of like, you know, in terms of libertarian perspective, say on cops or immigration or ways that you know, ways places where the right um uh, may disagree with the 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 libertarian the most um that we need to you know we, we shouldn't be hiding those things um yeah yeah Very no i totally to agree um so a lot of people have seen this clip that i'm gonna play next um it's been circulated a lot by us and it's don baldick right after putin started moving into eastern ukraine and um you know he like I said, he tries to snake his way out of things. He tries to say one thing to another audience and one to another. And then he tries to act like he's never said things that he has said. So I'm just going to play this clip and then pause it occasionally and talk about what he's actually saying, because this is actually pretty scary stuff. Distance that's going to win. But what boggles my mind, Steve, is the fact that we haven't gone all in on this already. Diplomatically, informationally, mm -hmm. militarily, uh, and economically. This is not a time for pause right now. We need to get in there and we need to help them on the ground. So this is February 28th. So just like a couple days after the invasion starts and he's complaining Basically, that Joe Biden isn't doing enough because yep. he says we need to get in there. We need to help them on the ground. Um, you know, I don't know why we haven't gone all in on this already. Um, just kind of like scary sentiments to have at, at this time. It, it doesn't show much pause and thought and you know consideration about what's going on. We have columns of his troops lined up, ready to be you know interdicted. So there he's talking about. Uh, Putin, he says, we have columns of his troops lined up, ready to be interdicted. So what that means is, you know, you got tanks and artillery and Russian troops all lined up, ready for us to airstrike them. That's literally what he's saying right there. Um, I'll keep and we need to give that kind of help to the Ukrainians. But we're just sitting back and we're not doing anything. And we're just saying, oh, you know, everything is on the table. Well, now's the time. Putin is a global threat. He is an enemy to the world. And that's what we have to start telling people he is. And we can't take any pressure off China either. We got to go after China because they're in this right. with them. And we don't want them going into Taiwan. So so this conversation has nothing to do with China. It's all about yeah. 
Putin invading Ukraine. And yeah. then he has to just throw in there, oh, by the way, also, we can't just, you know, face off with Russia. We got to go after China because, you know, if we show any amount of weakness here, China is going to take an initiative and invade Taiwan. This is huge. And we got to come together. We got to lead the world in in supporting uh, President Zelensky. And we got to lead the world. You know, this guy is in other uh, speeches to people said we can't be the policemen of the world anymore. Like he's kind of trying to agree with what Trump says. We got to lead the world in supporting Zelensky. How is that not <laughs> policing the world? You know, it's kind of the same thing. Supporting the Ukrainians. And what we have been doing now is just standing by. There is more to do. We can do it and we should be doing it. Yeah. So you can watch that whole clip. Uh, it's on Twitter. It's on my YouTube channel and other places. And uh, there's some pushback. And the guy says, wait, you're not saying we should put like U.S. troops, like ground troops on the ground, are you? And he says, no, no, but we can do indirect fires. We can put CIA and special forces on the ground. And this was all like so nuts that <laughs> Corey Lewandowski, a uh, Trump advisor, actually came out and said, this disqualifies Don Baldick from ever being a U.S. senator. Like this is just so. And then uh, Jennifer Griffin, the Pentagon correspondent for Fox News, also made a statement saying uh this guy's nuts basically we're not going to do any of that stuff to suggest we would dare to do any of that stuff to give putin an excuse to expand this conflict is just absolutely crazy so like i was saying earlier maggie hassan sucks she says you know she she goes along with the democrat party on basically everything i don't know if she has ever been called out by the pentagon for being too hawkish like this is what we're looking at with Don Baldick. So uh, any comments from you on that whole segment? Yeah. Well, one, I, I started to laugh a couple of times because it's so absurd, but I probably shouldn't be because uh, it's dangerous. It's serious, right? This is serious stuff. And, and it's very, very telling that this is his first reaction is, uh, is to fight, to want to fight because uh, you only get one first reaction. You can be wrong about stuff, right? You can change your mind. Like if your first reaction to COVID was, I think COVID is exceedingly dangerous and I'm exceeding and I'm super worried, uh, even though I'm young and healthy. And then later you got new evidence and you change your mind. There's nothing wrong with that. If your first reaction to COVID was, we need to lock down, we need to shut everything down. You only get one first reaction. That says something about you. That says that right. if this happened again, you're going to be that same kind of person again, most likely. So, I mean, Don Baldick shows that he is the kind of person who goes to the reaction of, um, of let's fight, of I want to fight, right? That that is where he goes first. Uh, now, for political purposes, because he wants to get into office, I'm sure he's walked some of this stuff back, and I'm sure he'll, he'll change his mind. And I'm sure there are some on some issues he's um, you know completely um, uh, you know sort of narcissistically, soullessly just looking for the right thing to say. But something like this, I think this is him, right? I think when you see something like this, I think this is kind of showing you uh, the closest to to his real mentality. Uh, I mean, look, the guy was a general for 20 years. I mean, if you're like if you 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 want to fight, that's why you're a general. Right. That's you like you want to do it. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, I, I think it's very clear that that's the kind of person he is. And I think it's very dangerous to have that kind of person. Um, you're making these kinds of, uh, of, of decisions because they've just simply led us into unnecessary conflict after unnecessary conflict. Yeah. And I mean, it's not just with this. He's also, you know. <clears throat> like like with everything he tries to play both sides a little bit so 
he said he supported Trump's withdrawal from Afghanistan. But then when the time actually came, he was saying this is wishful thinking to think we can leave right now. This is insane. I said back in 2013 and 2014 that switching from combat operations to non-combat operations was a mistake. This is going to make us look weak to the entire world. We can't do this. So that's not just saying like, hey, we should have gotten more people out and the troops should have been last to leave and we should have blown up more of this equipment. He's specifically saying back in 2013 and 14, I said switching from combat to non-combat operations was a mistake. And this is wishful thinking to think we can get out of here. And then people also forget that uh, Biden's deadline was like four and a half months after Trump's deadline to be out of Afghanistan. Like uh, Trump's deal with the Taliban was we will be gone in May. And Biden decided to push it back to September 11th to have some sort of virtue signal, you know, uh, symbolistic leaving, you know, 21 year, yeah, 20 years after the war on terror started or whatever. Um, but th this is nothing new with Baldick. And then I just wanted to show everyone this tweet. So this is from October 27th, which is four days ago. So this isn't from February. Uh, and this really backs up what you were just saying about him. I've served as a military leader across the globe and know we must counter China and rogue nations like North Korea and Iran. We must overhaul American diplomacy to focus on our national security, our supply chains and our economy. So we need to go after China and rogue nations like North Korea and Iran. And then he's made other statements recently uh, where his criticism of the Biden administration is their strategy with Russia. It's not that they're escalating tensions with Russia. It's not that we could get into World War Three. It's that they have an aimless strategy. And from that video clip that we just played, we know what his strategy is. His strategy yeah. is like get in he's, there and throw shit. <laughs> he's saying that well, like I could get us uh, to a, a World War Three way faster than Biden is doing it. Let me in there. Let me uh, let me uh, give me a turn. You know. So yeah, exactly. Uh, just what what are your thoughts? Just any I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like yeah. this is this is this is what he believes. This is what he believes. In the same way that like he well yeah. And so this is uh he he might have some of the right person whisper in his ear that you're not going to get the advertising money unless you correct this and so he might walk the back from time to time but like th this is this is who he is right so i mean if this on this issue he is about he is as bad as it gets i you know i think on foreign policy he is as bad as it gets yeah so uh just a side comment is it withdrawal or withdrawal how are you supposed to say that word because i guess i'm saying it wrong apparently i don't know <laughs> i think it's just withdraw withdraw well when it's a uh, the noun like withdrawal with an l on the end mm. i don't know if but i guess it's a yeah it's a is it a true mm. i don't know i guess whatever sorry if i'm saying it wrong everybody look so, you know, this just shows how prepared i am to never have to do this uh you know so like uh, withdrawal <laughs> troops i'm never gonna put them there in the first place okay so you know i don't you know we'll, we'll, we'll learn later yeah. yeah, it's like it's like Gary Johnson's Aleppo moment. I don't yeah. know how to say withdrawal, but I don't have to know how because I'm never going <laughs> to. That's, yeah, that's what I thought. Like you know, look, yeah, look, if, Gary Johnson, you know, he's like, look, if I had been uh, if I had been president, no one in America would know where Aleppo is because we wouldn't have been involved. You know, that is that is the answer. in my, in my opinion. Exactly. So we're uh, coming down to the election here. It's a week from tomorrow. Um, like we were talking about, we had a fun protest on thursday uh last week wednesday this week so the day after tomorrow if you're watching this live we are planning to do the same thing 
in Manchester. And uh, I'll have more details up soon. I'll post something to my community page on YouTube here. But then if you go to Jeremy for New Hampshire on Facebook, we're actually going to set up an event. And it's going to be Wednesday afternoon. We're going to try to get as many people with signs. It's evening. It's evening. It's evening, but I think we might even want to mm, get there kind of early, gotcha, um, gotcha. but I'll, I'll have an exact time and everything. Um, but if you guys have Jeremy Kaufman signs, or if you don't, I'll bring some extras. If you have anything that can amplify your voice, a bullhorn, loudspeaker, microphone with a, uh, you know, whatever, we're going to try to make a real showing like we did on Thursday. And um, this is actually, you'll appreciate this, Jeremy. So I have a big Tulsi Gabbard sign from 2020. And because she endorsed the war candidate, I'm just going to spray paint over it in black and then put the, the yellow Kaufman letters over it. So I'm going to repurpose that sign for uh, her betrayal of the anti-war movement and support the only anti-war guy. Um, but come help us Wednesday night. That'll be great. Um, and what else do you want people to do to help you out over the next week, Jeremy? Well, I'd love it if people, uh, for people not in New Hampshire, you know, keep keep sharing the ads. If you like the ads and you haven't donated yet, um, we can still put your money to use. We just put up um, a set of billboards. We're going to do another set of billboards. Uh, and that money, uh, we've been making very, very good use of that money. Every dollar, I think we've gotten, I'm going to do a report uh, after the election and actually sort of summarize how we spent the money for everyone so they can see it. Uh, but I think we've been spending the money in a very good way. And so you know, I'd love it if you could give us uh, if you give us some money if you're not in New Hampshire. If you're in New Hampshire, come out to the LP events, uh, get involved. And um, this isn't one to do in the next eight days, uh, and, but uh, come out for a visit. Uh, you know, if you like um, uh, if you like Reed's content, if you're listening to Reed regularly, you've got to come check out what's going on uh, in in New Hampshire. Um, we're doing something really special and it's something that everyone needs to at least check out. Um, you know, even if you don't think you're going to ever move here and uh, come out for a vacation, come out to pork fest, come out for a visit and, uh, you know, come, come see what we're doing. So last question, uh, you are locked out of your Twitter account because you yeah. said Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong. What are your thoughts on Elon Musk taking over? Are you optimistic trying to have oh. no guesses just in case it turns out not being a huge upgrade. What are your thoughts? I'm pretty, I'm pretty optimistic actually. Uh, I, he, I don't think he's all the way to libertarian, but I think he's uh, I think he's pretty good on free speech. I think he's also very much not an egalitarian, uh, which is important for me. Like he thinks, you know, he understands that, uh, you know, he understands that. And so he wants uh, there to be this kind of competition and he wants there to be competition in marketplaces. He wants there to be competition um, uh, in the and uh, over ideas. And so I think that's a good person. And he's respect. He seems to respect choice. You know, he talks about there being people being able to decide their algorithms or decide what they get to see. So, I mean, he does talk and not deliver sometimes. I will say that. That's certainly something we've seen from Elon. So if your attitude is, hey, you know, this guy talks and doesn't deliver, so I'll believe it when I see it. Very respectful. I, yeah, I get that. And there's a part of me that's that way. But nonetheless, uh, I am optimistic because he does deliver at least some of the time. Um, and so I think it would be a big deal for uh, to, to get um, to have him deliver here. And obviously, you know, it's hard. Um, they're really every, you know, major, um, big tech site, uh, has a slant, uh, that makes it, you know, hard to, to be a libertarian. I mean, uh, there are so many libertarians have gotten, you know, they'll ding you for a meme you posted eight years ago now, uh, you know, retroactively. And so, so many of these accounts are dinged or whatever. It, it was hard for my campaign. We actually, I don't think ever were able to get, uh, even Facebook advertisements, uh, approved for our political campaign. Uh, because like literally every, <laughs> I don't know what this says about LPNH members, but like every, if you've had like accounts, uh, you know, your content, uh, you know, flagged or whatever, it's like, they won't like let you run ads. 
So it's uh, it's crazy um, uh, how hard it, how hard it can be. Yeah, I mean, the things they would ding and account for is like three years ago posting a meme that says suicide hotline, how may I help you? And it shows Hillary Clinton saying, I'd like to place an order. I mean, it's not like people, you know, calling people racial slurs or posting neo-Nazi material or something. It's over really menial, stupid shit that they would uh, ding right. account I mean, stuff, for. I mean, again, we're talking about, you know, uh, Rachel Levine is a man. Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong. Like this level of stuff that is like, look, you can disagree. And by the way, I'm not saying that Rachel Levine is a man is a libertarian statement, to be clear. Um, I would say Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong. Is them. Uh, yes. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, like uh, it's crazy like that. You can't say and, and, and on all of them. I mean, it's just like the, the, the there is such a left cultural bias, um, you know, throughout journalism, throughout big tech. Uh, I mean, and it, and it's just completely insane the way that they've been able, um, uh, you know, to dominate uh, these venues. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for joining me, man. I am going to be with you all the way to the end. Uh, it's coming up here. It's been great being on your campaign. I've had tons of fun, uh, and I'm so glad I moved back to New Hampshire. Uh, as you know, um, you're one of the biggest reasons I decided to come back. I saw you on TimCast, and I actually had you on my show to kind of refute the the good things about New Hampshire. Uh, and you were telling me about all the progress the Free State Project has made over the last couple of years, and I ultimately decided to move back. So at least for now, I'm here for the foreseeable future. And I think, like you said, everyone who, um, you know, who's interested in the the way the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire messages, or you like my show and you like Jeremy's perspective, you absolutely should come to New Hampshire, check it out. Um, you know, even if you don't end up moving here, just visit, check it out, and see if you like it. Maybe you will. Um, you know, yeah, it does get cold and yeah, there are bugs in the spring, but also we nullified all gun laws. So, you know, like <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's worth it in the end. Um, but yeah, guys, um, if you're in New Hampshire, you know, and you're a libertarian, um, I, I really think we can't just signal to the Republicans that they own us because they don't, we're not Republicans. If they're going to run people who are sympathetic to our ideas, I say we throw them a bone and I tried, I know a lot of us voted for Bruce Fenton in the primary, it didn't matter. Um, but, you know, Don Baldick doesn't represent us. He's actually terrifying in a lot of ways. Um, and even if he ends up winning and beating Hassan, it still sends a message to them if a lot of libertarians still didn't bother to vote for him. Even if he wins, it sends them a message like, hey, uh, yeah, you won, but you barely scraped it out. You better be careful. You know, if you had won someone more sympathetic to our ideas, you would have won by a lot more. Uh, Jeremy, good luck. Um, any final statements you got for people to pay attention to anything or anything last you want to say? Mm, we'll have to talk about this off air, but we've got to introduce the Reed Coverdale Act next year uh, so we can make New Hampshire even better. We'll have to figure out what that does. But no, that's it. This was great. Thank you so much for having me on. I love being on your show and it's been great getting to know you. All right, guys. Links are in the description to follow me on all platforms and to follow Jeremy on all platforms. Like I said, uh, I'll have an event posted on Facebook, which is in the link tree in the description. You can find the Facebook page or just type in Jeremy for New Hampshire on Facebook and we'll have an event set up for Wednesday. We'd love to see you guys there. Um, it'll be sometime late afternoon. Not sure how uh, some of us will probably get there earlier than others to try to set up an area. Uh, but yeah, bring bring anything legal that's you know able to make noises. Don't bring any explosives or anything like that, but bring loud horns, speakers, anything like that, so we can make as much of a dent as possible. And hopefully we'll see you there.